Welcome to the Unfair Podcast. Hello, I'm Neil Williams, the Chief Economist from OMFIF. Uh, I'd like to welcome you to our podcast, looking ahead to the two ECB meetings uh, on the 21st of July, and after that, the 8th of September, uh, and uh, discussing all things Euro area. Uh, I can't do that by myself. My special guest is Dr. Salman Ahmed, who you probably know is Global Head of Macro and Strategic Asset Allocation at Fidelity International. Welcome, uh, Salman. Thank you. Thank you very much, Neil. Very pleased to have you here. Before we uh, turn to you for your thoughts, a quick, a very quick scene setter from me, if I may, uh, and that is to say that in the global context, whether we believe that we're in some sort of new paradigm or that uh, recent developments have sharpened the forces that were already in place, such as inflation and geopolitics, policymakers in either case have some hard decisions to make. The legacy of QE, of course, is that uh, about $20 trillion worth of liquidity since 2008 is still hanging out there in the system, equivalent to about 95% of uh, US GDP. And there's no coincidence that uh, government debt piles have increased to generational highs. And now central banks, of course, are not only reclaiming their cherished policy tool in terms of uh, interest rates, but some of them, like the Fed and the Bank of Canada, are going in bigger jumps than we perhaps would have expected them to. Could this be the case for others to follow, including the ECB? So the questions that spring to my mind from that, firstly, if uh, we're not keeping the printing presses on, what are the unintended consequences from raising rates and from running quantitative tightening? Secondly, what does this tragic war mean for inflation fighting, especially given the energy dependence that we have in Europe? How does the euro area handle quantitative tightening across 19 disparate countries? Is it different to other central banks? And finally, if fiscal policy is to take more of a role in, in keeping growth bubbling along, how real is QT and does it really matter? Well, tough questions, but uh, who better perhaps to help me to address them than my guest Salman Ahmed. Uh, Salman, over to you to get your thoughts, please. And perhaps uh, on the first question, if you could, which is the ECB of all the central banks has for some time been running too slow in terms of pulling the monetary rug, hence the softer euro. What has been your take on this so far? Thank you. Thank you much, Neil. There's no doubt that the ECB operates under circumstances and uh, both political and economic realities, which are quite completely different from other major developed countries. Of course, the, the underlying dimension of, of a incomplete fiscal union alongside, which also I think in a way means that uh, European Union is also incomplete monetary union are important. And then when we are thinking about cyclical monetary policy, that's where it, it starts to play a big role. One of the major reasons why the ECB has been slow is that the economic realities facing the Eurozone have been different from, from the US. Firstly, because of the shock from the war itself. And that's where the energy dependence comes through. And then secondly, the inflation dynamics in, in the Eurozone have been more narrow focused than what we're seeing, for example, in the US, uh, whereby food and energy prices are playing a much bigger role. So ECB has been until recently trying to look through those volatile elements. But as inflation expectations have started to rise and overall central banks and DM countries have become much more aggressive, led by the Fed, there is obviously pressure on the ECB, but they are also facing very different economic forces and, and risks than the US, and then that also explains why they have been slow. Despite those headwinds that you rightly flag up, central banks are set and the ECB does look set to begin some sort of normalisation. It seems to me that um, they have two levers to press now. It puts them in a, a difficult but not a fatal situation because, of course, they can raise rates and or 
uh, operate QT. In, in your view, how are they going to, to operate those levers? Is it symmetric and uh, tongue in cheek? What could possibly go wrong? Actually, in the case of ECB, the risk that these two levers create a toxic mix is higher because of the underlying fragmentation risks, which are in, in the Eurozone. We already seen the ECB move quite fast uh, in terms of it, uh, trying to address the rising fragmentation by creating a new tool, which is in progress. I mean, QE is not no longer a fashionable word, but in some sense, it is going to be like QE. And the reason is that financial stability risks, which come through as ECB pulls back from its quantitative uh, easing programs, also create credit risk in the system, sovereign credit risk in the system. So we foresee a period where uh, rates will be the primary tool uh, used by ECB. And even then, the economic outlook is going to be, cyclical economic outlook is going to be the most important factor here given that gas disruptions are ongoing and and if gas doesn't come back or, or the flows from Russia go to zero, you, uh, Eurozone is looking at an economic shock of at least four percentage points. So even then in the rate cycle, it, there are uh, you know important forces in the short term which can derail the, the current hiking plan. But in the case of QT, fragmentation is, is a major force uh, which the ECB will have to tackle with. And, and yes, to your point, things can go wrong. It did go wrong. And that's why we had rapid move towards the spread management tool construction. But the story is not over yet. So, I mean, it's a difficult balancing act and perhaps different to the other major central banks. How, how in your opinion, then, could they best both tighten and yet not fragment? And if that's not possible as a, as a senior asset allocator, how could we play that? So in terms of tightening of the cost of money, especially in an environment where inflation is quite high, I think the rates policy is going to be the immediate one. They've already given some forward guidance on it. So July and September and, and beyond that, they're keeping their options open. So the, you know, the words which are used are, you know, flexibility, gradualism, optionality. I think a lot will depend on in the short term on what happens to gas in our view. If the gas disruptions continue, we are likely to see sudden rationing, especially with a heavy emphasis on the industrial sector. And that means the growth hit may be quite strong. We do think that the ECB will view any issues on the gas front as a growth shock rather than inflation shock. Because when, you, when gas is not available, the price doesn't matter. I mean, you can price it at, you know, million, million, uh, million euros per, per unit. But uh, if the gas is not there, the gas is not there. So, so it is... Uh, going to be seen as a growth shock and, and and we do think that they will have to stop hiking very quickly after September uh, and that's where we disagree from the market. Uh, so how, how, in terms of senior uh, as we're thinking about you know asset allocation uh, from asset allocation perspective we are very cautious on credit for example in, in the eurozone because we think uh, the growth shock can be a severe one. We are pos becoming positive on duration risk in Europe because we think market is pricing in a very aggressive path for the ECB, influenced by what is happening with the Fed. But as, as we discussed earlier, uh, the US economy and the uh, Federal Reserve Bank is operating under very different realities than the ECB. It's interesting what you say about market expectations. If in your view, markets are being too aggressive on pricing in ECB tightening, on short rates uh, going forward and oil and gas prices remain high. Uh, would, you, would you be worried about what this may mean for the euro? So in the short term, we expect more pressure on the euro because that is the safety or release valve there. So if the economy is under more significant stress from an economic perspective, and that means that you cannot hike as much as you would like to versus your major trading peer, and in this case, the reserve currency, 
then the automatic implication of that is that the currency has to depreciate. So uh, I think the short term, that is a secondary concern for the ECB because the weakness of the euro obviously adds to that inflation uh, trend we are seeing already. But the primary concern to our mind is, is this sharp growth shock, uh, which can happen because energy security issues. So that is overwhelming. And unfortunately, that reflects in our views as well. In the short term, we expect more pressure on the euro to remain as, as these forces become more tangible. So it sounds, Salman, as if you think the the tightening, at least on interest rates, might be uh, sharp but short. Certainly, I think right now uh, this this tightening is coming through on the basis of rear rear mirrors view, and there is this window a uh, window of opportunity for the ECB to at least put some hikes in the system. But the mechanics of the gas disruptions which are in place right now is that that storage will start will need to be run out uh, starting from autumn. And in, then into winter, and that's where the severe shock can can take place. So, so July, September, if you will, is probably the best opportunity for the ECB to do something before more dominant forces take over if energy supplies don't resume from from Russia. So that's interesting. But before ending on those two meetings, uh, two quick questions, if I may. Firstly, the role of fiscal policy. How can that help or hinder monetary policy for the ECB at the moment? And secondly, in the longer term, because, of course, one remembers the uh, the, the previous crises we've had for the higher debtors like Italy and Greece. Uh, what is needed there to stave off pressures down the line? So uh, on the role of fiscal policy, uh, to be fair with you, I think uh, ECB has a lot on its shoulders, <laughs> probably speaking, because they are trying to do multiple things. Uh, it's not just cyclical policy, monetary policy they are responsible for, but obviously the financial stability angle means that they have to think about all the forces which also brings uh, the monetary union weakness on the table as well. And we have seen again and again, we saw it in 2008, we saw it in 2011, whenever growth comes under pressure, there is risk of recession, the underlying weakness in the monetary union design come on the table. So in a healthy growth environment, nobody talks about it or thinks about it, but whenever growth starts to come under pressure, uh, we automatically we, the focus comes back on those, uh, those underlying issues. That's where fiscal policy has to be the, the solution and a truer fiscal union ultimately has to be uh, the solution. But of course, we are far away from it. Right now, in the, uh, this year, we are going to get some fiscal easing uh, in the Eurozone. But we do think that fiscal policy will have to take a much stronger role if there is actually a gas disruption. Industrial sector uh, is, has to shut down. And it could take the shape of very similar to what happened during COVID when there were done, uh, you know, direct transfers being done, support for businesses to tie them over if the if you're not gonna, uh, if you're gonna reduce the risk of permanent damage as a result of a, a short-term shutdown, so fiscal policy is indeed the uh, the solution here. But of course, the political environment in in, in Europe is is the major driver there, and and ECB is a can only react to it. It can't be proactive about obviously the further fiscal integration, which is required in the in the eurozone. So it's, it sounds to me, if you're expecting a, a sharp and relatively short interest rates tightening cycle, and with fiscal expansion playing a bit more of a role, that maybe the heavy lifting will be done by short rates with less of a role for QT. And I guess that might iron out some of the political problems there in terms of whose country's bonds they stop uh, reinvesting, etc. Exactly. And I think they can always couple it with a new anti-fragmentation spread uh, or anti-fragmentation tool or spread uh, tightening tool. Right now, the idea is that show commitment to that tool and the markets will 
remain well behaved but markets remain well behaved till they don't <laughs> and in that case obviously ecb will have to put some cards on the table and and versus other key central banks the constraints on doing unfettered qe are much significantly higher for the ecb i think the bank of england probably uh, and the fed are or probably have a cleaner runway to doing the, Q, the qt operation than the in ecb's case and and if growth shock happens which is severe uh, then both policies i interest rate policy and qt will have to be shelved uh, because ultimately you will have to then deal with uh, with a very sharp deep recession given the structure of the euro, eurozone economy of course there's quite a bit of uncertainty there but the so far the facts are that disrupt, uh, the gas flows from russia have collapsed storage is around 64% uh, it needs to be around 80% right now and if those flows don't come back then rationing will be needed to avoid uh, the household sector getting uh, under stress uh, during winter that's when the demand for gas from the household sector goes up so it can become a very important political issue as well not only a monetary policy issue so given where inflation is and given the strains that you correctly highlight especially oil and gas but also the prospect for a bit more fiscal loosening at some stage yeah. uh, what are you looking for from the next two ECB meetings on the 21st of July and the 8th of September and perhaps beyond that so our view is that they will have to stop if you if you agree with our scenario that the growth shock will become more visible as we move further into Q3 towards Q4 then we think the ECB will have to stop the hiking cycle we're not even sure that they will probably do a 50 may do a more than a 25 because remember they have said that we can do more than 25 they never said they will do 50 so there's a subtle difference there because the assumption is when people talk about more than 25 they're talking about 50 i i don't think i, I would challenge that uh, assumption so i think for right now that window opportunity is there the fed will potentially hike 75 basis point if not more right now because the bank of england will be hiking up on a bigger increment so the ecb can put some hikes in till this shock becomes a bit more clearer and reassesses its monetary policy another point i would mention is in terms of obviously the monetary policy assessment is that uh, i think we discussed the fx angle rightly you you pointed out i we do believe that the sensitivity to fx right now for the monetary policy is lower for the ecb than has been the case historically uh, given the the mix of factors we discussed And uh, just looking ahead to those two meetings are you expecting anything that we didn't already know or could suspect on quantitative tightening at this stage so um the details of the uh, the tool will be important and how that then combines with Q- traditional definition of qt we'll have to take both into account when we are thinking about what this qt looks like and and of course any communication which comes in which shows flexibility around that plan because in the fed it was the announcement was clear that you know there's a ramp up period over 3 months it will go to 295 billion dollars from september onwards in in the ecb's case i think they will probably be a bit more vague about it to keep that flexibility and optionality in in place and highlight that they will be willing to change their minds if if the economic situation changes and then last point is that i think you will probably see more from the ecb officials highlighting the difference in the inflation forces facing the eurozone versus other dm countries they are much more narrower and the wage inflation spiral is has been much weaker than expected so so you would expect more information more talk of that differentiation in terms of you know of course at the top uh, at the headline level inflation is very high it's high everywhere but but the uh, but the contributors and the components are different and and that's what we think will will also start to attract more attention in communications which come out from the ecb well that's fascinating thank thank you for that so we should uh, be looking out for fairly sharp but shortish relatively shortish uh, interest rate tightening cycle from the ecb as it plays catch up 
oil and gas obviously are going to be the main strains, but uh, there is some hope for fiscal expansion uh, to keep growth bubbling along. Salman, thank you very much for your thoughts. The ECB may be looking in the rearview mirror, but thank you for helping us to look ahead and to discount what we may expect from the ECB. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Neil. Thank you for listening to the OMFIF podcast.